0: Welcome one and all to episode three of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat is my co-host, Noah DeGeorge. Hey, how's it going? We're getting better. I'm getting better, not you. I'm getting better at the intro. I'm doing it. I've got it. I've got it locked down now. I'm already got great it. at
1: the intro. I've got my part down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's just me, the one, the one that needs improvement, the most improvement. But that's okay. I mean, I've got I've got the outro locked down. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's said anything to the contrary, so it could be terrible, and just no one's saying anything, or no one's
1: listening. Either are, are very possible. I'll just work on it, anyways. We'll just go for <laughs> it. Yeah. I'll just I'll keep getting better.
0: Well, speaking of keeping getting better, uh, I wanted to apologize last week for some of the technical difficulties that we had. This was our that was our first episode doing a remote recording of the podcast uh because our first episode we were able to record in the same room together so there were some technical difficulties last week but hopefully we can we can get better we can we can get stronger as a podcast i feel confident that we are able to iron out some of those details but yeah i just wanted to apologize to some of our newer listeners that is that is not the standard that we hold scum and villainy (laughs) that we hold this podcast
1: to. well you would think that you would think that technology would make it, you know, pretty easy to do stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, just it's like, actually yeah, this is oh, I, I know how to do that. You just click, click, boom. But yeah,
0: it's actually kind of challenging. I was doing some research about like, how are people recording podcasts remotely? And a lot of people are kind of just doing what we're doing and just trying to figure it out, because obviously, unless you have the same exact microphone, it's going to be a little bit challenging to do across a air. But we are here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try our best and we're gonna we're gonna persevere. Yeah, we're making it work. So this was a bit of a slower news week for Star Wars news, but despite that, we still do have actually quite a bit to discuss this week, including Star Wars Celebration, Kevin Feige's future involvement in Star Wars, uh, some uh, new comic book releases, and of course the newest episode of The Bad Batch. As always, there are time codes in the description if you want to hop around a little bit. Uh, if you are not interested in one topic or you're like, hey, I thought this was a review of the Bad Batch, you could just uh, <laughs> hop ahead to that if you'd like to. Uh, but to get started today, I wanted to uh, here at the Scum and Villain Podcast, we have to send a very special birthday shout out to someone who, honestly, if it wasn't alive, I don't know what I would be doing with my life. Mr. George Lucas, who turned 77 today at March 14th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Wowzers. Uh, so, Big happy birthday to the man in the plaid shirt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's always just perpetually in a plaid shirt.
0: It's. I'm glad that as a fandom, we have embraced George Lucas more so than was the case when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, everyone kind of hated George Lucas and and really uh, did not put a lot of respect on the name of Mr. Lucas, but I'm glad that societally we're able to recognize the importance that this man has to this fandom
1: i think as toxic as it is you can you can say that it's all because of uh the fact that now other star wars projects that you don't like have different scapegoats and i mean it's sad but at the same time hey man george lucas he gets a break Give a so break now we're, we're
0: we're sharing the 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 stain that Star Wars fans have for Star Wars. No, it's not just directed at one person; it's Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson, yep, and exactly all this other stuff that's uh, frankly ridiculous. Hey, if you don't like a thing, don't be a jerk about it. Just don't like the thing and move on for the rest of your life. But speaking of uh, not being a jerk about Star Wars, uh, one place that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about our experience at this event, but Star Wars Celebration 2022, we have some good news regarding this event. The official Star Wars Celebration site announced that the event, which was originally scheduled for August 18th through the 21st of 2022, is actually moving up to May 26th and the 29th of 2022. So it's a bit of a shorter uh, uh, um Uh, A bit of a shorter event than what we experienced back in, what was that, 2019? 2019, yeah. Um, And it's still going to take place in Anaheim, California at the Anaheim Convention Center, but it seems that we are going to get our uh, Star Wars celebration dose a bit sooner than expected. What do you think? Are you excited? Well,
1: 2022 still sounds so far away to me. Um, Yeah. But when I think about it in the context of it being just a year away, I mean, last year, you know... We were thinking that there was never ever going to be a Star Wars celebration ever again because I didn't know if there be?
0: was ever going to be an anything ever again. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Last year, so yeah. I mean,
1: this is exciting. It's it's really exciting to to see nature healing and to yeah. see uh, all of the uh, all of the cosplayers returning to their natural settings uh, in due course. <laughs>
0: see all the Wilro hoods running around once again when I see that a single tear is just gonna drop from my cheek and we, like things are back to normal
1: when uh, when Star Wars Celebration comes up we you know I, I'm gonna be the one crying when I see uh at least 100 people wearing a uh, the many faces of Darth Vader shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you and I went um, so like to give a bit of a con- uh, bit of context here you and I went to Star Wars Celebration in 2019 for the very first time. We had been both lifelong Star Wars fans, but you know, when you're a kid it's hard to convince your parents to, you know, hey, I mean, it was also bi-yearly back then, like right. when I was like, you know, when I became aware of what Celebration was, which was quite the revelation. I was like, wait a minute, there's a Star Wars like convention or Where it's just, just Star Wars? It's just
1: Star Wars and they talk about Star Wars and like everybody just gets together and loves Star yeah. Wars.
0: Like, oh, my God, that sounds like an absolute heaven on earth. But when I first learned about that, it was like in London or, you know, right. it, yeah. super, super far away. So not, it's not something that's really plausible for me to be like you know, convince my parents or drag them across the country or, or the world <laughs> just to go celebrate something that they like, but aren't, you know, obsessed with. But, you know, uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago is the first time that we had a real opportunity to go. And it was before the rise of Skywalker. And it's just a, a bit of a drive for us. It's not too far. And we went for the first time and had a complete blast. Like yeah, that was amazing. Most magical Com-
1: experience.
0: It totally surpassed all of my expectations of what that event could be. Um, At that time, uh, as I said, it was before The Rise of Skywalker, but after The Last Jedi had come out. And I, I had seen a lot of people express something similar after the event. That before they went, they were kind of honestly nervous because there was a lot of turmoil in the franchise a lot of in the the fandom honestly a lot of turmoil among the fans you know people didn't really have an interest in engaging with star wars just because it was so toxic and tiring but being at celebration and being among fans who genuinely feel it feels like a celebration in the truest sense of the word you have a bunch of fans who are not just celebrating uh the original trilogy or we're not just celebrating the prequels every aspect of star wars like the sequel trilogy the animated stuff all of it the video games the written all, stuff yeah the books the comics everything it felt all like of value which yeah. felt uh, so refreshing. I don't know about you, but my cup overflowed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, there's, there's a corner the,
1: there for everybody. And you see some <laughs> stuff that you that you didn't expect to see. You see some stuff that you will never get the chance to see again anywhere else. Um, yeah. A few of my favorite things that I, I know they had on one convention floor, one area of the convention floor, they had people with um, with like the RC-controlled droids. And there's just a ton of people there that bring their droids and, and they look great. People have like, you know, custom droids and, um, Mm -hmm. just to see people bring like their stuff that makes them happy about star Wars and to see, you know, like other kids that got dragged there that don't know what they're doing now suddenly, you know, just in wonderment of, you know, a little remote control BB eight that can play with them. That's insane to me.
0: It's so magical to be at a place like that because everyone is sharing their love for Star Wars and it comes out in different ways. You know, some people share their love through cosplay. You and I did some costumes. We're nowhere near, <laughs> I don't think, as dedicated as some of the people who spend dozens and dozens and thousands of dollars on these costumes but that's how they experience and and show their love for the fandom and how you have people who are so such talented artists and craft such amazing things out of lego and all of this really spectacular stuff and to see young kids there i thought that that was you know one of the most touching things is because these kids have no concept of the the turmoil in the fandom. There it's just the purest, like takes me back to when I was a kid and just you know, I just loved the prequels. I didn't know that <laughs> half of the world hated them. I yeah. I just loved those movies. I loved the toys, I loved experiencing it. So seeing the newer generation, it's honestly a you know a really common Star Wars theme about you know moving on and growing older and and purpose and all that kind of stuff and to see the new generation who is eventually going to surpass us all seeing them carry the torch of the fandom was just amazing like i i'm so excited to to, to go back
1: i think one thing that like um that always struck me as a kid I, i don't know about you um when I was a kid and you know, my friends and I, the, the biggest thing, like the coolest thing was finding out that something new was coming out, you know? And, and nowadays we take it for granted knowing it, you know, Mm -hmm. exactly the moment that a trailer drops or (laughs) hearing the news break about anything that's upcoming ever. Um, but Mm -hmm. when you're a kid and you're like, what they're doing this, they're making this, you know, like that's, that's crazy. And Star Wars celebration was like a showcase of, You know, here's everything that we have (laughs) that we want to give to you, that we want to like share with you. And I just can't imagine that as as a kid, like blow uh, my mind. Heaven.
0: Yeah, because I just remember when the Gennady uh, Tartakovsky show came out and that was honestly the first aside from video games. It was the first time that something had come out that I felt like I was privy to. Like my, you know, my, my family didn't know about it. It wasn't this huge thing. It was like, oh my gosh, there's new star Wars. And it felt like I was my own little special Island of star Wars. It felt like, Uh, It felt like a new tier of fandom where I was able to not just enjoy the movies that everyone else had seen, but I was able to dive in. And when I went and saw Revenge of the Sith, I knew why General Grievous was coughing. You know, that show's not canon anymore, which is fine. It's on Disney Plus. You can enjoy it. You can still enjoy it. But being able to experience Star Wars on a newer, potentially more uh, deep level is just something that is honestly, I still carry that idea and that torch today that I still want to dive in more and more. Not to say that I'm a bigger or greater fan than other people, but that's how we talk about you know sharing your love for Star Wars that's how I you know show my love for Star Wars is digging into all the TV shows and all the books and things like that so I'm super super excited to be back at Star Wars celebration and to be among all the fans especially after the past year that we had um, I'm it's uh, still unclear on what the mask mandate is going to be not just at celebration but around the world so will we be masked up at Star Wars celebration honestly if I have to get there in a hazmat suit <laughs> I'm happy I'm, <laughs> I'm just there. happy to I'm there I'm just happy to be back uh so we are going to move on to some uh kevin feige news i don't know if you've heard of this kevin feige guy but he's, I he's heard got a,
1: i heard a little bit about this guy
0: so he's got these movies then there are these marvel movies i think it's Mar- yeah it's marvel is that how you say uh, it yeah there's this iron man in this captain america doing some stuff over there he seems to be a pretty big deal but a man made
1: out of iron you're kidding
0: me i know it seems so impractical uh, Variety reported that it um, this is this is the quote from Variety so it's in regards to Kevin Feige potentially being involved uh, in future Star Wars projects so from Variety they interviewed uh, what is an undisclosed Disney executive so it seems to be a bit of an anonymous source situation so maybe take it for a grain of salt but uh, this is a quote it says after it was announced in 2019 that Feige would produce a Star Wars movie there were rumors that he might assume more control of Luke Lucasfilm. However, insiders say that Feige is fully committed to his Marvel duties and has no ambition to lead Lucasfilm or take more of a role. So, keep it in mind what Feige's current leadership is with Marvel versus what the leadership of Star Wars seems to be at the moment. Do you buy these comments? Do you wish that Feige would have more of a role? Where are you? Th- what are you thinking here?
1: I honestly. So this is actually. Um, an interesting question for me because, uh, currently, uh, I'm actually making my way through watching all of the Marvel movies in order. Um, I've never done that. Godspeed. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I'm, uh, I'm just getting through phase or just starting phase two right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. I just, (laughs) I like, I, I want to get, it's gotta be
0: interesting though, to like track the trajectory and to see the quote unquote, progress. I I still like a lot of those early movies. Iron Man is still one of my favorite Marvel movies, but to see the, the, the way that the creators see this product changing and evolving and getting more and more popular, that's gotta be interesting to
1: see. And I think that, um, a lot of people place the, uh, the success of Marvel solely on Kevin Feige's shoulders, um, Mm -hmm. to say, you know, he's the reason that these are, are, you know, such a, phenomenal series and it's it's so prevalent in our culture um which that sure that can be said about it um i think that especially you know not even just the recent uh movies but through or not even just the the first ones but through all of them um there's there's a uh there's an inconsistency when it comes to how many people are influencing these stories Mm -hmm. and Um, You know, from moving between different directors of just sequels, you know, Uh, you get different visions and things. And um, so I feel like people will think that Kevin Feige can just snatch up Star Wars and save it from, you know, all the things they hate about it. Um, And I don't I don't think that one way or another that Kevin Feige is the the secret ingredient to making Star Wars good. Um, Yeah. I would be excited for him to, to share his view on, um, on a certain project. I don't think that um, that Lucasfilm needs a uh, a Kevin Feige type to say, "Well, okay, we're counting on you. We're counting on you yeah. to fix all of this, and then see where it goes from there." Um, he's an incredibly talented and smart person, um, and he obviously knows what he's doing because. People love Marvel. and Yeah, I, yeah, I totally say?
0: agree. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, I, I agree that there seems to be this misconception of not only, you know, what the role of the, the the quote unquote person in charge of Star Wars, what their role is. That person right now is Kathleen Kennedy um, on certain sides of the in animation and things like that. Uh, you have more of Dave Filoni, and people are have been calling for Kathleen Kennedy's head recently. Absolutely. In the, past, in the past couple of years. So I think there's that misconception. And there's the other misconception that Star Wars needs saved. Star Wars <laughs> is we could get doing into that for an hour. Is doing just fine. Uh, even if you think the sequel trilogy is the scum of the earth, no pun intended, the Scum and Villain podcast, like and subscribe. If you think that those are the worst installments into popular culture, whatever, man. Godspeed. I, 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm praying for you. <laughs>
1: no, yeah, that's you're totally right. And and even as somebody who's not a, uh, let's just say, not a uh, a complete fan of the Rise of Skywalker, um, mm-hmm. it's just my personal opinion. Never yeah. would I ever blame the entire thing on Kathleen Kennedy. And no. that that seems ridiculous to um to take those you know, those faults that you see or whatever in anything. If you're not a fan of the Rise of Skywalker, if you're not a fan of The Last Jedi, if you're not a fan of any of the sequel stuff or, you know, anything that that has come out that people have wanted to crucify Disney as a company over and say, Well, it's gotta be this one person's fault because they are the masthead. That yeah. is very, I I think, I think it's borderline ignorant.
0: Yeah. And I know that Kathleen Kennedy's contract is set to expire later this year. Um, and Disney as a company is having some new leadership with Bob Iger stepping down. So it's questionable whether Kathleen Kennedy will return. I do not think that they are going to fire her if she wants to step away and pursue other things. Fantastic. Amazing. But if she doesn't, that's fine too. Because I think if you are going to Hold her accountable for the what you know may be perceived as the failures over at Lucasfilm. I would disagree with you on that point, but you know, for argument's sake, if you think the complete blame falls on her feet, you also have to, in contrast, say that all the praise will fall at her feet. Um, because even if you hate the Rise of Skywalker, or The Last Jedi, or whatever you love The Mandalorian, she also plays an integral role in the development of that series. She is playing a a huge part in calling the shots on who the showrunners are and who is involved in those shows. She was the one that introduced Dave Filoni to Jon Favreau. That is also a really important thing to remember. When you love season three of The Mandalorian, whenever it comes out, or the book of Boba Fett, all of these things, and the myriad of shows that are coming out soon, these are wins for her. If she was the GM of a basketball team or a baseball team, she's hitting home runs. Or not, she's not hitting home runs. She's (laughs) winning World Series right now. She's, yeah, she's not throwing pitches, or as I said, she's not hitting home runs herself, but she is putting, People and players in play to win those series, and that's you, what I'm. That's what you talked about you. earlier.
1: Do you do you yes. mean baseball,
0: <laughs> baseball, football? If you're you, you know winning the Super Bowl, whatever you want to talk about, you know, like the, yeah. the GM or Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, is. Is in charge of who? Okay, who's getting drafted? Who are the head coaches? All of these things fall, do fall at the the uh, feet at someone like Kathleen Kennedy. Kevin Feige is taking more of a uh, creative role over at. At uh, Marvel, it doesn't appear that Kathleen Kennedy is involved in as much of the creative side, which I'm fine with. I am all about bringing these voices into the Star Wars sandbox and allowing them to play. If uh, Taika Waititi, he's got a movie coming out or a project coming out. If he says, hey, I've got this idea for a Star Wars movie and they go, okay, cool go make a Star Wars movie. And it's amazing. That's awesome. Like I want to see these new creative voices. It doesn't just have to be, you know, uh, all Dave Filoni, everything has to be Dave Filoni. I love what he's doing over with the Mandalorian and, and the Clone Wars and and Star Wars Rebels. I love Dave Filoni, but saying that, well, he just needs to make everything Star Wars to me is limiting the possibilities to what is possible. And I don't even think that that's what Kevin Feige does over at Marvel either. There are Marvel Marvel movies that have totally different feelings. Thor Ragnarok and something like Thor The Dark World, for example, are completely different interpretations of that character. And it's because of those who are involved in actually, you know, making
1: the movie. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it's that complicated of an idea. Now, and one thing that I think uh, Marvel probably suffers from that I would hate to see from Star Wars is you get, you know, maybe a string of of really good projects um that again, people are going to say okay, well we need we need a a leader, we need a masthead and yeah. you get, you know, somebody like um Anthony and Joe Russo who mm-hmm. have done a significant amount of work in uh in the MCU And now, you know, people won't want to see anything that's not from them as it relates to Mm -hmm. characters that they've worked on before. Um, Yeah.
0: And if those two guys came from TV, you know, making community like they were introduced with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which is the number whatever installment into that series. So you have to get those new avo- You have to get those new voices. Eventually, you have to get those new creatives or you're not going to find another Russo brothers or whoever the next person is going to be. You have to allow new people to come in and play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we'll see uh, as as it relates to Kevin Feige. Um... You know, I, I still, when, when that news was announced a while ago about his involvement in a, in a project, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's just a slam dunk because that's, you know, one, it's name recognition two its, you know, accountability in a way that's like, all right, Kevin Feige, we, we know you can do something cool, you know, do this. Um, it will be, I think really interesting and I'll probably have my, uh, i'll probably have all my all my fingers crossed when uh whenever kathleen kennedy steps down to make sure that people aren't going to crucify anybody else for sure you know like hey this better be good
0: yeah oh star wars fans never do that they never just point blame at whoever the next person is charged with new star wars i must
1: have missed that memo
0: Yeah. And honestly, with how, with what we've seen, the new projects being announced, there doesn't need, in my opinion, to be the hyper connectivity that we see in the MCU. You know, we have all of these different Star Wars projects that aren't all, you know, episode 11 or episode, or uh, Star Wars episode 10 and 11 and 12. We don't have this new trilogy coming along. We have random projects that seem to be oh i've got an idea for a thing cool go make that that's what's exciting to me but as you said we'll see um i I, i'm curious to see what the role kathleen kennedy is going to play with lucasfilm here in the future and michelle Rejwan. there's a lot of different things happening uh in uh, the world of star wars so we will be sure to keep an eye on it to keep you guys posted Now, uh, it's time for our, uh, new segment that we introduced, uh, Garrett read a thing. Noah did not read a thing. So Garrett's going to explain the thing that he read to Noah. (laughs)
1: Let's, let's read and not read together.
0: Uh, so it's Star Wars issue number 13. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Charles Sewell, who uh, read the, or uh, wrote the Darth Vader comic back in the day, he's also heavily involved with some High Republic stuff. He has taken the lead to the new Star Wars main line. Uh, if you didn't listen last week, they are doing a new uh, line of comics that are tying uh, the uh, the Boba Fett series, they're tying in uh, with Dr. Aphra, they're doing the War of the Bounty Hunters, which is essentially explaining the period of time between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, where Boba Fett is attempting to get Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt. So, uh, this issue starts off with Luke Skywalker, and he is playing around with some training remotes. He's actually doing it with, like, 10 of them, which is... Uh, A nice contrast to see from where he's at in A New Hope to where he's at now. He's slicing and dicing. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention Luke's got a yellow lightsaber now. Um, That happened in like episode or uh, an episode (laughs) that happened in like issue five or six or something like that. Uh, But he's got a new yellow lightsaber. He went back to Bespin to find his blue one uh, that Darth Vader uh, uh, relieved him of (laughs) Uh, and he was (laughs) he was unable to find it. So he goes to this. Uh, ancient temple finds the yellow one. It doesn't matter. Go read the comics if you want to read those (laughs) ones. Uh, But in this issue, Chewbacca comes to to Luke and he's like, hey, I've heard that Boba Fett is on this planet Nar Shaddaa, which uh, you want to go try to find him? Uh, We talked about that last week. Mm -hmm. Boba Fett is there doing gladiator stuff, kicking butt, taking name. Uh, Luke agrees to accompany uh, Chewbacca. Uh, and they both kind of agree to not bring on Lando, which is kind of a good idea because Lando's been doing some shady stuff and some prior issues dealing with the huts. Uh, it's a complicated issue. So they go to this planet and Chewbacca comes in contact with the Wookiee Sa- uh, Sagwa, who is the same Wookiee that we see in Solo, a Star Wars story at the Mines of Kessel. So apparently this person has moved up in the world. They've moved on. They're traveling the galaxy. Uh, it's good to see uh, some more Solo uh tie-ins with the comics and things like that. I know. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the make the solo two happen? That's like apparently oh, there's like a really? day. Well it's like on apparently this an upcoming Monday. It might be this upcoming Monday. It's hashtag make solo two oh. happen. And it's supposed to be, I guess, similar to the release the Snyder Cut kind of hashtag where they're hoping to bombard, you know, Disney and Lucasfilm to releasing or green lighting Uh, a a solo, a Star Wars story part two. Um, If that works, cool. If not, that's fine.
1: I was going to say, is that like, do people want that?
0: I would be okay with it. I like solo Star Wars story. If they wanted to continue a TV show or whatever, that's great. Cool. I'm going to be very excited if they do announce that. I like, uh, I like the interpretation of these characters and I would hope that they would, you know, continue to refine their version of this Han Solo. But if not, that's fine too. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna be at peace with that. Uh so uh this this Wookiee Sagwa informs the group uh and uh that a new champion was recently crowned at this fighting arena. Uh that champion, of course, being Boba Fett, who's under the guise of Django Fett. Uh Luke Skywalker's like, that's not Django Fett. Um it looks sure does look like Boba Fett, so I guess we'll follow this uh this lead. Uh, so they go to this ticket officer who is a polowick who is uh, the same species as size noodles uh <laughs> one of my uh, favorite star wars characters uh and luke is asking about this recent fighter that was here uh, he asks a bit too many questions uh and this ticket officer presses a hidden button and summons uh the the local bosses the kind of crime bosses which are referred to as the kenji turns out boba fett when he beat this prized fighter he kind of messed up some financial situations financial ruminations of what was happening on this planet because it's all they yeah yeah of course, it's kind of like uh, the Pulp Fiction such a scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, you go you go down in two. I think is the is the line. <laughs> um, but they uh, they call for they're called for backup. There's a bit of a punch up. Uh, there's speeders involved. Luke's deflecting uh, saber bolts. He ignites his lightsaber in this really awesome reverse grip kind of Ahsoka slash Star Killer uh, style, uh, which is it's it's nice to see him again progressing as a Jedi, getting better at fighting. They fight him off a little bit. They get back to the ship eventually, and uh, Sagwa is like, hey, I'm going to join the Rebellion, which is nice to see that this character was inspired by the actions of L3 and also wants to be a rebellious hero. Um, I hope we continue to see more of that character because I'm I I'm invested now. They got off the, the spice mines of Kestel. They're in the Rebellion now. I want to see. Are, them and, uh, are Chewbacca and them going to hang out? Are they going to be pals? Yeah,
1: no. Hashtag make the Sagwa movie, <laughs> I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> make, so- make Sagwa happen. Yes. <laughs> We're going to tweet that out on Monday. Uh, so here's a point in the comic that I thought was kind of funny. So R2 kind of just says like, oh, hey, I've got this list of former Jedi outposts. Uh, and he acquired it on the Death Star. And he's like we should go visit these. And it's, Oh man, it's, it's really in line with what we see from R2 up to this point. He, he comes online at convenient times and says, Hey, I've got some critical information. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we, that are mainly map related. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's related to the fact that they've been exploring a bit more. The death star was like three years ago at this point. So maybe he finally got the last piece of the puzzle that he needed. Whatever. Uh, Luke Skywalker says that if they they want to explore these locations, it's going to keep them busy for decades, which, of course, is what we eventually see Luke actually do post Return of the Jedi He explores the Outer Rim, trying to find secrets to the Jedi uh, and the dark side as well. And then after this, Leia instructs everyone on the Falcon to return to the main Rebel fleet uh, because they are receiving a communication from an unknown party who may or may not be in possession of the prized smuggler, Han Solo. And that's how the issue ends. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, It's a, I don't know. I I didn't think that we got a lot of progression here. Um, I think the prior comic did a lot of narrative heavy lifting uh in regards to this 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 run here and what they're trying to accomplish with this it doesn't seem like we got a lot of information from this comic uh, and it seems like we're mostly going to see things to come like i said i like seeing the inclusion of sagwa i mean that's nice to see some more solo content out there um but other than that i thought it was uh just okay
1: it sounds it sounds really interesting though to to know where these characters will end up, um, in certain ways and to know where they've come from also. But, um, it's fun to see a, a consistency in, in certain characters because immediately, I mean, when you're talking about that immediately, I was thinking to, um, the main storyline, I guess, if you can call it that of star Wars battlefront two, um, Mm -hmm. with, with Luke being kind of, Ex- yeah, yeah, You know, exploring Palpatine's observatories as, as, as well as, you know, a couple different Jedi things. And so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's cool. That's fun. That's, you know.
0: And I think that this will eventually lead to Luke finding, you know, either more kyber crystals because we know he eventually gets a fancy new green lightsaber, um, finding ways to construct a lightsaber. I assume that when he explores these other you know, Jedi outposts that he's going to learn this information. Maybe he's going to, uh, uh, um, what's the, uh, oh man, having a brain fart here at the podcast. What's the planet, uh, in, uh, that Ahsoka goes to with the little Padawans. Oh, that's the believe- uh, Ilum. Ilum. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. How lost, embarrassing. The, lost the planet Garrett has. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of useless knowledge, uh, racking around up there. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see where this, uh, where this line is going to continue to go, where this prequel comic is going to go. I honestly, I got to admit, I got to catch up with Dr. Aphra. I am super, super behind. I'm only at like issue four or so on the original run, and they're doing like an entirely new run now. So uh, maybe we'll continue to uh, keep the segment going with that uh, if I'm able to catch up in time. But in the meantime, no, we've got some Bad Batch to discuss.
1: Boy, I watched that episode today. I sure did.
0: <laughs> you watched it like 15 minutes before we recorded. Yep. <laughs> so it should be a uh, fresh in your mind. Would you it, say? It is.
1: Yeah. Um, so what,
0: uh, let's, let's, let's go through initial reactions. What did you think of the bad batch episode three, uh, replacements?
1: So we talked about this last time with kind of the, um, you know, what are the, what are the plot points that they're hitting? Um, and I have to say, again, mean, this is not a uh, this is not solely a complaint. It's not a, you know, just a criticism um, that it is feeling more and more like a serialized kind of, you know, this is just another episode of the thing that you're watching. And yeah. what are they going to do this week? Hmm. Um, I don't hate it. You know, you seem lukewarm on it. I think lukewarm is uh, probably probably a good way to to describe this episode. Um,
0: Not hot like a like a nice cup of Jawa juice. Not no. too cold like. Uh, is Jawa like, juice
1: served hot?
0: I, 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 I always kind of assumed it was like coffee,
1: like a steaming mug it, of joe.
0: Yeah, I mean it's Dexter's diner. I like, imagine it's something that they would serve at a coffee. Well, like, my journey has been sitting
1: out on the counter <laughs> for a little while. You got to throw it
0: in the microwave. You got or you got to get one of those like traveling uh, mugs that keeps them, keeps it nice and warm. No, like a little little car
1: car holder mug, you know.
0: Or it could be like something real nasty and gross like a like comes out of a tube or something like that. I hope I it's not. Are they are they juicing jawas or does it just juice that jawas also consume?
1: I think it's It's like Wookiee Cookies, you know? It's just a clever name. (laughs) It has nothing to do with it.
0: Well, Wookiee Cookies are usually like, you know, like something that we have established. That's true. But in the Star Wars universe, Jawa Juice exists. I like to think that, you know, somebody was hanging out with the Jawas and they offered a nice cup of whatever and they reverse engineered it like Willy Wonka style and released this, you know, this drink that is probably like coffee it's it's ground up you 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 put some hot water on it delicious
1: anyways (laughs) no matter how (laughs) you make java juice anyway uh,
0: we're um so i seem to be a bit more uh i guess invested i liked this episode a lot this was probably i liked it more than last week i thought last week was a really nice bridge to where we are going uh, versus where we were. I thought it it, it asked some very necessary questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like this episode. I think it is reminiscent of some prior Star Wars that we've seen before, but it in a nice way. Oh, you're it also you're totally right. Yeah. It also gets, it's not afraid to get dark when it wants to. Um, there's some really dark stuff that we can discuss uh, in the spoiler section. Uh, but I, was uh, there's a really nice i guess uh development of each of these parties um i don't think it's a spoiler but crosshair returns in this episode Mm -hmm. and we get to see a bit more of what's going on with with him uh in the empire i thought we get some nice development on that side of things to where we see okay more of a transition from the clones to stormtroopers We also get to see more of a a development on the Bad Batch side with Omega and seeing this relationship blossom into something that's not just the reluctant, well, we've got this kid with us, we got to keep them safe. There seems to be more of a solidification of family and found family and all those, you know, patented Star Wars themes.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of that, too, during the episode is it's it is like focused more on. Um, you know, how are we building the relationships that these characters are undergoing? Even, even with crosshairs, what are, you know, what are his, uh, what are his roles now as it relates to being, uh, kind of a servant of the empire and, you know, as this, um, like unique, uh, force of destruction that they can use. Um, it's really interesting. And, um, and I do actually like, um, I do like most of the stuff with Omega in this episode. There's a couple of things that just jumped out to me as, you know, just kind of funny, um, in general, um, not anything that, you know, soured me on the episode. Um, sure. because it, it is in the truest sense, it is, you know, uh, reminiscent of stuff that we've seen before. Uh, It's not it's, it's not reminiscent of the worst stuff we've seen before. You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> hate it by any means. Um, yeah. and I definitely see the importance of the episode. Um, it was to me just, you know, it was, uh, it was a little bit short and I knew, like, mm-hmm. I kind of knew from the beginning where we were going to end up, uh, like stopping. And sure. that was, and and those things were kind of fulfilled exactly to where I thought that was going to happen, um, because it's because it's an animated Star Wars show, and that's you know that's okay.
0: Yeah, I think where this show and maybe the Mandalorian, I don't know. Like I I, I like the Mandalorian as a whole so far. Um, I like season one more than season two, but something that a, I guess a lot of people had a issue with particularly in season one is the show's habit. I suppose you would say of having there's that, there's three episode uh, like in the middle of season one where you've got a mission and then not a lot seems to happen in that mission. And it's kind of tied together, tied up in a bow that week and the next week it's the same thing. And the next week it's the same thing. Um, You know, we could, we can talk about that. Maybe if we do a Mandalorian rewatch or something like that down the future, uh, in the future. But with this episode, it seemed to me like a direct continuation of what we see a bit of a pit stop along the way. And, you know, we will continue back on our journey in the future. And I think that this is more, uh, setting seeds for what we'll be able to see in the future. I mean, I agree. This is, you know, actually, the shortest episode of the the series so far, clocking at just twenty eight minutes. So it's not able to do a whole lot in regards to big picture narrative. But we're you know we're getting in these middle chapters. It's going to kind of you know steer the ship a bit more than some of what we've seen before, or like early in the season, or what we'll see at the end of the season. I think right now we are just we're on this journey. Um, I'm along for the ride. I'm enjoying this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would. You, yeah. Even though you were a bit lukewarm on this, did you still you still enjoy this episode? Though? I do.
1: And and I think it might be easy for some people that are already that I think that might be easy for people that like came in lukewarm to now be solidified and being like, well, now I'm just not going to I'm not going to like this because this and this and this. And um, yeah. I think that Omega especially could be. Could become for for some of the more cynical viewers. Could become a you know a character that's like, well, I really don't care for that, and so I'm not going to care. How for most dare of this. they?
0: Omega is an absolute delight. She is a treat. I'm happy to have her.
1: <laughs> she's a, she's a gem, and I I have to hold off doing an Australian impression every single time <laughs> I think about any of the scenes that she's in. uh Uh, it always takes me by surprise still
0: Uh, there was um there yeah there was one bit it kind of just made me chuckle um uh where she where wrecker um early on in the episode uh asks uh to like eat her food uh and she's like you can have some of mine and then she just like he says like uh he talks to hunter for a bit and she's just like Okay, and the what, that interaction I just thought was kind of funny, not yeah. really for any real reason, It just like was a very. So, is she is she from New Zealand or is she Australian? I I was picking up on a New Zealand accent.
1: I I would be, I would believe that it's New Zealand, mostly because Tamara Morrison is uh is from New Zealand, and if she's you know a clone, then it would make sense that her accent would still be you know sure. New Zealand. She's but- been
0: around all those. Uh, those clones her whole life. It makes sense that yeah. she would have an accent. At the accent. same
1: time though, her accent is so thick. It is like <laughs> it is so strong. It's endearing though.
0: It's endearing. I really like it. I, yeah. I I think, yeah, not to really get into spoilers, but there's something towards the end of this episode that is so freaking touching yeah. and was just really made me feel more attached to this family as a real found family, especially with what we get in the prior episode, which honestly I thought contrasts really nicely with what we see the relationship between Din Djarin and Grogu. Um, at the end of season two, you know, yes, we see Grogu make a choice to go be with Luke Skywalker, but up to that point, Din Djarin is trying to find a home for this creature. And Yes, it's sentient. Yes, it's 50 years old, but it's not really able to communicate in any real way other than just, uh, you know, cooing pine and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's it's still a baby, whereas Omega is able to, to think for herself, is able to, to talk to these people and her saying, no, I want to be with you guys. I want to stay on this path with you makes me... I guess, I don't know, be more invested in this group as a family. And I think with what we've seen in prior Star Wars animation, that's what I loved about Star Wars Rebels is it feels like a family. It's not just, you know, a group of people who happen to be on this mission or happen to be in the rebellion together. It's like, no, it's a family, which is probably above all else, one of the key defining themes in all of star wars is this idea of found family so seeing myself uh, for myself seeing omega solidify herself among the bad batch and truly being part of the crew is uh what made this episode really stand out for me
1: yeah they do um and they they bring it up like specifically saying you know like um in in a couple different areas it relates to something else in the episode um but you can see these thread lines of the importance of uh, the bad Batch's like moral values and um, Mm -hmm. their sense of togetherness when, when Hunter says, you we never leave one of our own behind. Yeah. Um, And I, like, I guarantee you that this writing is going to come full circle to where, you know, even in this episode, there's a point where, you know, Omega does, she, she asks, am I like, I'm, I'm part of this crew now too. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I actually thought about that for maybe longer than I should have. I know it's, it's not like a throwaway line, but it's also not, it's nothing poetic. Um, Sure. But it's interesting because um, at the core of their existence as clones, they like, she is, she has to be a part of their crew because this is the story that we're telling about, you know, the, the internal conflicts of clones that have, um, have different loyalties to what Mm -hmm. would be the norm. And at the same time though, this is, as we've seen in now three episodes, um, it's a dangerous place out there. And I can see right now that they're building, they're building this up for people to be attached and for people to care. And, I'm going to hate when something really dangerous happens that, you know, that actually shows like, Hey, you care about this. I know you do. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, you got me. Yeah.
0: They're going to rip it away from us. And it's going to just, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to heal properly. If something happens to Omega, I'm going to freak out.
1: (laughs) Hey man, I'm just saying like they they're doing, they're doing it right right now where I'm
0: I'm putting it out there at this point as a from if you look at like episodes one through three of the Mandalorian and episodes one through three of the Bad Batch. At this point, I am more tied or emotionally engaged or whatever you want to say to the character of Omega, as opposed to at that time, the character of Baby Yoda. Yeah. So I'm not saying in the entirety of the Mandalorian, but from episodes one to three. I am more emotionally attached to this character. I might've been a little bit more intrigued about baby Yoda because of him using the force and things like that. But with Omega now, there's also that intrigue there, but I think it's the connection that these people have with omega that makes me also more connected to them so we still have a lot to uh, left of the season we'll see where the involvement goes with that character but let's move on to spoilers a bit here uh, but let's let's get a verdict thumbs up thumbs down where are you feeling on episode three of the bad batch replacements
1: i'm still giving it a thumbs up really i'm at a,
0: um yeah i'm at a thumbs up too
1: yeah all of the I, I think the a and b plots work really strongly together um and again i'm excited that Harris was back, you know, I we we talked about that last week where it's like, well, of course he's going to come back in the next episode because we need to we need to show both of these things conversely. Um really I do think that it's it's really solid stuff. It's not um it's not super progressive, it's not um super unique and daring, but it is, you know, yeah. it is really solid still. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we're probably going to see for the next couple of episodes. We're we're unsure on what if we're going to get multiple seasons out of this series. They haven't really said either way. We really don't even know how many episodes of this season specifically that we're going to get. But I feel like what this episode needs to do in regards to us caring for these characters and be invested, but also giving a nice snapshot on where the galaxy is. I think this episode does a really good job at uh, facilitating both of those needs so let's move on a bit to spoilers here uh so this episode begins with kind of picking off with where we left last week where we have this broken ship traveling through hyperspace it was uh badly damaged by the empire from the prior episode so the, there was a there's a really funny line from tech Where he's like, no, we're doing fine. No critical systems were compromised, thank God. And then, like, the ship immediately just starts, like, falling out of the sky. Uh, I thought that that was a a really funny moment there.
1: That's very Star Wars. That's Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I I will say that was the first thing that I thought of that I was like, oh, no, am I not going to like this episode? Was like, okay, here we are. This is the uh, pit stop repair the ship episode on a planet that we don't know about yet. And, And, yeah. I, I did get some alien vibes. They, they, you know, crash land on the planet and, and it's very dark and stormy and there's some kind of creature threat looming outside, yeah. um, which is cool. I mean, but it, it again, I was like, please, please be more interesting than, uh, than all these different like repair episodes that we've seen before. See, I got to push back
0: a little bit here. I'm I'm getting, I'm giving a rare pushback here because for me, that was very Empire Strikes Back for me. If you were to break up Empire, if you're going to break up Empire Strikes Back into episodes, it, this would be like episode three of Empire Strikes Back. It's like, oh. You know, they. I'm not like uh, like making fun of you, but it, w- people have said if Empire Strikes Back came out today, people would be complaining because it's like, well, they spend the whole movie on an asteroid, you know, like preparing <laughs> their ship. Nothing really interesting <laughs> happens until the beginning and the end of the movie. But yeah, and but what do we get on that scene? We get the relationship between Han and Leia a bit more. Developed, we see their relationship blossom. We we get to see them part of this dysfunctional family, and I think that that's also what we get here. You know, yeah, yeah. sure. You could, I, I guess you could say that it's the the same thing, but I I don't see that. I see it. This is just more as maybe, you know, a, an homage per se, or you know, just similar. I, guess, I don't know, it's hard to really describe, but to me this doesn't feel like creatively bankrupt or something that some no, people I guess could not. throw around if they wanted to but yeah, you have a group of people who are on this ship. They crash land on this mountainous kind of rocky terrain, an uh, empire. It's an asteroid. And this, it's this moon. There are these creatures who are out there in the dark. There's even those like little masks that they're wearing that are very similar to the Minoc, uh, masks that they wear. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think it's unintentional. I think that's also another thing. I think it's very intentional keeping in mind who was involved with the creation of this show. Um, but yeah, I, I I appreciate the the pause that we get. I guess in the show like this, if it was just going to be ten episodes or something like that, I understand why there would be a, I guess a bit more urgency to want to continue with the plot. Uh, but like I said in the spoiler free section, I think we get both. We get some continuation yeah. of the plot, some development of the characters. One of my favorite uh, like you know relationship building moments is what we see at the beginning, where as I said earlier, Wrecker is. Is you know given a bit of the rations and then Omega offers her uh or offers him her rations, uh, and then uh, Wrecker's like, no, you can have it. And it, it's funny that again he seems like the big kid of the group. Where it's Omega, so, it's
1: so big brother, like yeah, as the first thing I thought of, you know, yeah,
0: because in last episode they're like cuddling together on the sh- fl- uh, the ship floor and like napping together, and he seems like the big kid of the group, which. You know, we see him hanging around with the, the the Cuts children and they're like, Uncle Wrecker. So he's obviously got this childlike sense to him. And it was nice to see that continued here with him just absolutely munching on those rations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> those things look pretty, they look like taquitos. You ever just, you ever just like <laughs> blasted uh, a whole like plate of taquitos in the microwave. You're just like chowing down. (laughs) I haven't. I have not. Well, they look like taquitos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking they looked almost like a little bit of like a Zagnut bar, like one of those (laughs) old timey like weird sawdust dry candy bars that you'd get in like the, you know, a gas station like 1963 or something like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's probably military rations too, so I doubt they're delectable. (laughs) You never know. Um, Yeah, so – there's a bit of a discussion here on um, uh, with the Bad Batch in regards to Crosshair where um, uh, uh, Wrecker also speaking of his kind of his childlike sense. He's like, I miss Wrecker. Like he's my friend and I, and I miss him. Um, And Omega, there's this conversation with, Uh, with Hunter later in the episodes in regards to Crosshair crosshair, with, you know, they're talking about, you know, you shouldn't be angry at him. This is something that he doesn't really have control of, which is something that we talked about last week is it's kind of this tragedy that this character who for all, you know, and purposes is loyal to these, his brothers. Like he's, he's spent his whole life being loyal to them and then his freedom and his autonomy is taken away from him. And now he has to kill them. And it's probably going to end up in something pretty tragic, to where the that choice is taken away from the Bad Batch now, to where they want to pr- protect Omega, but this this unstoppable force keeps coming after them and isn't going to stop because they can't. I I'm glad that they underlined that in this episode.
1: Yeah, and another thing that they that they go into as well is, um, you know, they're they're also kind of on the hunt for discovering the the mystery of these inhibitor chips um mm-hmm. that's something that's going to be an ongoing thing i'm sure of... yeah
0: because we know that rex is going to be later in this show so i'll probably yeah. get a bit of a discussion with that how did he did he bypass his well, i mean we know but like they don't know that he bypass his. did he just just didn't do it you know like we've see we see him in in clone wars he kind of resists a little bit it's not yeah. totally It's not completely taking over him. So, yeah, I think we're totally going to see that.
1: Um, And I I like that a lot. I like the those those threads are are super interesting because, you you know, we talked about it. This episode is more than just one of those typical, you know, pit stop along the way episodes. There's a lot of deep um, character choices and uh, a lot of deep uh, threads that are that, you know, are being pulled more and more um, that I know that they're not going to just let go of, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. And some of the development that we get in this episode is uh, more on the Imperial side of things uh, with project war mantle, uh, which is, you know, seemingly the first uh, it's not confirmed, but it would be seemingly the first recruitment special op empire, uh uh you know, the uh, squad that's these comprised of one clone crosshair who seems to be fulfilling the Kaminoan, you know, cloning, facility's new role, I guess, in the empire of not breeding soldiers, but breeding people who are just going to train these new recruits and then eventually be phased out because there's, then there's going to be people that are in the empire that have been trained are going to be able to train others. So Mm we, we see a bit of uh, the Kaminoan side of things. We see their role in all of this start to dwindle and dwindle and they see it too, which I'm interesting. uh, I'm interested to talk about more, but also for Future episodes, I'm curious to see uh, where they're going. So yeah, we see Crosshair as this new commander, and there's a conversation uh, with Vice Admiral uh, Vice Admiral Rampart uh, about the, the the strong government needs soldiers. They need loyalty, and you can't have loyalty if it's this mechanical chip that is forcing people to be loyal which I think is kind of funny, uh, because we see time and time again, that the empire has tons of defectors and tons of people who are like, Hey man, I'm not super vibing with this whole, you know, murder stuff. So <laughs> and I think it's, it, it go, it plays to the, the constant idea of the empire being egotistical and thinking that everyone will just kind of bow to their will and and yeah. been to their to and been to their been their knee you know
1: yeah and we we get that in uh in the interactions with uh crosshair and the uh and the the set of troopers uh that have been recruited uh under his leadership um when they go they go to visit uh uh, uh, Andaran, uh to find Sagara's camp and they're yeah. ordered to basically finish that mission and right. one of the, yeah and one of them Uh, after they they take out a lot of the uh, uh, the people at the camp that have weapons um, there's only civilians left and Saw is not there and uh, Crosshairs is like all right well we're just gonna get rid of everybody then
0: and I really loved the juxtaposition before before we see that scene we see a conversation that we talked about earlier with you know Omega talking to to the group and saying like you shouldn't be mad at Crosshair uh, and Hunter saying that like, you know we've never left anybody behind before and there's this real sense of loyalty uh, being being brought about in this group and then we immediately cut to this uh, this Project War Mantle whatever the squadron is is called I don't think we really know yet but the squadron traveling to this mission and one of the first things that they say is like. This new recruit is saying like, you know, we're, I'm going to take your position as, as commander and that he's eventually going to, you know, kill crosshair or we don't really know, but there's absolutely no loyalty in yeah. this, in this group. And I just really love the juxtaposition of complete loyalty in spite of this other person trying to actively kill you versus a, a team who's trying to work together just completely, you know, disintegrate because of infighting fighting and, and ego and, and jealousy and all that stuff. That's yeah. It's pure good and evil kind of ideas there.
1: Yeah. It's another thing, just kind of uh, aesthetically um, more surface level seeing uh, that, like seeing that, that special ops group, I guess, um yeah. still in like uh still in their in their clone uh uniforms is mm-hmm. like kind of terrifying, you know, yeah. because you know that they're a force for the empire, but they haven't had enough time to manufacture what the stormtrooper uh outfits yeah. are going to look like yet. Do
0: you think that there's going to be I I would say probably not, but do you think that there's maybe going to be a hybrid costume or Absolutely. I guess uniform that's the transition point from the clones to the stormtroopers. Do you think that we're going to see something like that, or do you think because of things like you know Solo or or Solo Star Wars story or Rebels that it's like you don't really or even Fall in Order, you know, like no, we see the clone trooper armors, we don't see this kind of weird clone stormtrooper variant. Maybe we will with something like a special op group who's yeah. you know a unique thing that isn't isn't the norm but do you think we're going to see something like that
1: i think we will only because um star wars loves its new designs and i love star wars's (laughs) new design like new designs so like
0: i want a funko pop (laughs) yeah
1: no i that's i think that that's totally possible especially because like clone trooper designs are something that that people take a lot of pride in um yeah and I mean we, we got new we got new designs for uh season seven of Clone Wars. Even if it's a paint job, it's you know it's yeah. still cool stuff. And um something that I, I think is really great is the movement from phase one clones to the Phase Two clones and knowing yeah. that they are looking more and more like what we see as a stormtrooper, yeah. and
0: um, they've uh, talked about like Doug Chang has talked about that initially the Phase One stormtrooper or clone troopers, excuse me, are meant to look more like Boba Fett and Django Fett, and and. More towards the Mandalorian side of things, but as they transition to the Empire, looking more like the Stormtroopers. So I agree. I love seeing that that narrative connection there. Yeah. Seeing the evolution of the Stormtrooper uh, uh, design.
1: Yeah, I think that it's just for, uh, for mostly that reason. But I think that it's very possible that we could get yeah. some kind of outright hybrid clone to Stormtrooper uh, variant of their. Um, their armor and helmets and things.
0: Yeah. So for this episode, the main uh, uh, conflict that we see kind of plague the Bad Batch through this episode is, you know, like we like like an Empire Strikes Back. It's it's ship problems uh uh this this creature which is the ordo moon dragon uh i love that we get stuff like that in star wars we just get dragons and (laughs) just silly there's this moon dragons it's like where else are you going to see something like this but uh this creature steals uh, the capacitor for the ship because apparently it feeds on energy um which honestly living on a moon how is that creature still around? What are you eating? Like Yo, yeah, you're on a well, moon. <laughs>
1: also, what else are you going to eat? You know,
0: like in regards to like, like what is the, cre- else is the creature going to eat like rocks and stuff like
1: that? Yeah. Like, are you going to eat a different Ordo moon dragon? Maybe, yeah. but, Oh yeah. Maybe they're cannibals. Maybe because there's well, to think about to be a it, lot of energy. So maybe it's well, like, the, Oh, the, the ship came in. Yeah. Dessert, you know, last course. Let's, let's take it.
0: He's like, I'm absolutely stuffed. Oh, there's a ship coming in. I mean, wh- how often does that happen? We, we kind of have, we kind of have to. I bet they have a capacitor on there. I haven't had a capacitor in ages. Well, they
1: show, they show like his little, his little cave. Yeah, and there's all those like little machine parts and stuff. I think that's yeah. really funny.
0: So maybe it's like this bermuda triangle kind of situation to where these ships fly through and you know there's some electrical storm or something that makes the ships fall out of the sky uh and crash and then the dragon you know is like yummy yummy <laughs> just actually that
1: you know what that that makes me think is th- they What's say that? that like the the moon is like really stormy or whatever maybe yeah. maybe those those little dragon guys are just munching on lightning bolts
0: well when he's like eating the or he or she when the dragon is munching on this this capacitor you see it like glow a little bit so yeah. maybe they are able to create some type of electrical interference or something like that i think that that would be really neat i don't know if we've seen um i don't know if we've seen this creature in star wars before uh but i am i'm hoping to see them again i am going to do a little bit of research and see if that we've seen an ordo moon dragon before but i i don't know about you i loved the um i don't think we've yeah, we haven't. This is the first time that we've seen this creature um in uh, in Star Wars. They're, so.
1: They're cool little guys, I'll say. Yeah. It.
0: And it kind of reminded me of like a like a Pokemon creature or something yeah. like that. I, get, I got Pokemon vibes, but something that I loved about this episode and it's it's becoming a a recurring theme in the Bad Batch surprisingly, but last week uh, we had the, uh, the the creature attacking Omega and they intentionally do not kill that the nexu that uh, attacks Omega and in this episode we have them you know be attacked by the separate creature and they don't kill this creature either and as someone who, you know, I love Fallen Order, but one of my complaints with that game is a large part of that game is surrounding you just <laughs> slaughtering creature after creature. animal
1: cruelty left and right.
0: Not only that, but you get like health from it. So it, the game is directly benefiting you by killing all these creatures. And after a while, you're like, dude. I have killed like a hundred thousand <laughs> of these, like, especially if you're on a planet for like a while, you're like, how is I, I I'm, I'm making these things extinct. Like they've got to be running out. But I like that. This show is taking a stance on that idea that, you know, you are able to influence some of these creatures who are honestly just trying to survive. You know, this creature lives on this planet. You came into its home and just, Killed it, I guess, for trying to survive and eat and, and 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 eat. I I like that they kind of bypass that a little bit here. And of course, it's going to be Omega who's the one that's actually going to do that. If she just like plunked this poor creature in its skull and is like got the capacitor, you know, that'd be a, that'd be a little uh, a little dark here.
1: Yeah, well, and it makes me it it makes me think of um, firstly, it makes me think of the Rise of Skywalker. Um, there's yeah, of course, you know that scene with. With the little cobra guy, the little snake yeah. guy. Well, he's not little, <laughs> but um, yeah, like sand snake. Um, and and that's a very intentional scene. But also, we know that Dave Filoni is like crazy about animals. And yeah, that's a huge and the, and the, thing and the in The planets, uh, the planets of Star Wars, and and the the wildlife that are on these planets. It's something that you see in Rebels as well. Um, yeah, more so that there are dangerous creatures but you don't have to blow up their entire home just to be like whoa that was a close one got rid of that pest yeah
0: and and re- especially with rebels like the loth wolves and the loath cats like those are a huge part and the loth wolves eventually become an ally of the rebellion because yeah. they are so tied to the force and that's what made me kind of uneasy about uh, uh about fallen orders like well i'm getting the force from killing these creatures it felt kind of dark side to me, but, uh, but I, I digress. Uh, so on this moon, um, they are again, trying to, to get this capacitor from the dragon, but back on Camino, we get more, uh, uh, engagement, uh, and time with crosshair in this new, this new batch of, of soldiers with again, project four mantle. They travel to, find uh Saagara and kind of snuff out his his loyal followers um and they just straight up murder these like refugees uh and it's one of the darkest things that I've seen in a Star Wars animated thing I was very surprised murder them with a flamethrower mind yeah. you Dude they burn to these burn these guys to a crisp they went from Nah, we're not really super sure about killing these civilians too okay I'll burn them alive like in two seconds
1: <laughs> yep um it's super disturbing uh and the uh what's weird about it is that like the scene looks really good um yeah. I noticed that like the the lighting and the animation really like stood out to have chef's kiss these, yeah these still shots of uh of their like battalion kind of like um what yeah. <laughs> you know just like there there are people now and yeah. that's that's something that they're going to have to wrestle with
0: and and talking about you know the uniforms it's again it highlights this idea that the clones used to have identif- identifying features different haircuts tattoos body markings or, uh,
1: on their armor you know
0: exactly exactly but now they all look the same except for crosshair. He's the only one that looks different, but everyone looks the same. So there's this sense of anonymity involved here. And I also like the idea. Uh, I, I don't have the character's name in front of me, but this new, this new recruit, he's talking about how the empire was able to provide him things that the Republic wasn't able to provide. And I thought that that had some real world implications of, well, I'm kind of, Down on my luck. I don't have a lot of other options left. I guess I'll join the military, which And then
1: you get yeah, and then you get pushed into doing things that you maybe aren't comfortable doing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something huge.
0: And that's something that we see a lot in Star Wars. We see that directly in solo a Star Wars story is Han is like I am out of options. I don't have anywhere else to go. I guess I'll join the military. I mean, obviously, he doesn't really stick with it. But that's something that we see all the time in Star Wars. We see and, Wedge Antilles do the same thing in Rebels. Yeah.
1: It's also, and so it's a little bit played off as a joke with him, you know, being a totally incompetent soldier and, you know, he's got all of his gear and he looks like a little kid that's wearing his dad's hoodie. <laughs> and so it's like, there's, there's that where it's like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing here. And now I'm in the field of battle. And you kind of know in the back of your head, like, that's a dangerous place for someone to be that is just like, well, I need... I need something to, to make ends meet. And Noah um, he
0: is a, he is a highly trained soldier. We heard it f- straight from vice Admiral ramparts mouth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And with the standard of the empire of who's considered trained, I imagined he's just like, you know, a pretty good soldier. <laughs> he can yeah. hit stuff. So, uh, that's, that's, that's gotta count for something. And with a flamethrower, what could you not hit? So yeah, this moment, super, super dark. Um, and it, really underlines this idea of following orders good soldiers follow orders they don't question orders again it's sad to see what uh crosshair is forced to do i'm i wonder if it's this get out kind of you know scenario to where you have the the real person being back, just seeing everything that's happening and being completely like unable to control what's happening. Like, like we see the same thing in WandaVision. We have these people who are just crying while they're smiling because you know, they're like a marionette. Someone's, you know, pulling the strings and they're not able to do anything about it. If you think about it like that, it's super horrifying (laughs) and it's really, it's, it's tragic. So I, I hope that, I hope that we see, some sort of redeeming factor for crosshair to where he's able to maybe sacrifice himself or break for just a moment to, you yeah. know, to to make that moment count. I hope and that it's not just like the celebration of killing the bad guy. Cause he's not, he's not a bad guy.
1: Yeah. And the, and the juxtaposition of that, uh, you know, somewhat like crosshairs, if you look at it in that sense versus a recruit who has the choice and, yeah. Uh, I mean has the choice is kind of a, a loose term I mean if especially if you're like well i I need something I, you know I needed shelter or I needed food or I needed money sure you know that's that's different, but even still, there's a choice to be made there um seeing that juxtaposition is really strong and this is not this is not a show clearly that is going to back away from that
0: yeah, and it reminds me of one of my uh favorite we, we talked about uh, Battlefront 2 earlier. One of my favorite quotes um, from that game is when Luke Skywalker's talking with Del Mico, uh, and and Luke, you know, senses conflict in Del Mico. and Del And Del says, I mean, of course there's, there's going to be conflict in me. I'm seeing what the empire is capable of. I've seen what they've, they've, they're doing here and I've done it. And he's like, but I really don't have any other option. Like, what can I do? And it looks like you have a choice to, to be better. You know, I, I'm not going to kill you here, but I know that there's conflict in you and I know you'll make that right choice. And we see that choice, uh, with, the imperial soldiers all the time. They have a choice to do the right thing, um, and and you know I'm I'm curious to see where these other soldiers will continue here. We don't really get a, a strong idea of where their allegiances lie. We don't know if this defector or he's not. I mean, he wasn't a defector. He still wants to be a part of the empire. He was just like not about killing innocent civilians, which I guess the bar's you know pretty low. So yeah, we don't know if these other soldiers are like-minded that they're not really uh they're not cool with (laughs) killing innocent people uh i guess we'll 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 have to see but yeah after this scene um we get a a glimpse of omega who as we said kind of confronts this creature she gets the the capacitor back Joins back up with the rest of the crew. Hunter's impressed that she was able to kind of take on this creature on her own. She doesn't really say either way whether she killed it or not. So I am I wonder if Hunter sees her in a different light. Like, oh, my God, she's a cold-blooded killer. Well, she freaking yeah. killed that thing. She
1: she says, like, she didn't have to use the blaster, you know. She snapped its neck. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, Hunter's just like, He's oh, my even God, more she impressed. strangled it. <laughs>
0: he's even more impressed he's like oh my god she didn't even have to use the blaster like she is a she's a savage
1: <laughs> yeah but i mean it's a great it's a great tie-in with you know and they say it again at the end of the episode but with her being like am i not part of this crew like yeah. this mission doesn't have to be enacted the way that you know maybe the bad batch is used to you know kicking down doors and and blasting people in the face yeah absolutely
0: know? like some it's, it's a lesson that wrecker could probably learn a little bit you know well, Maybe
1: we'll see that. I mean, that would be, I think that yeah. would be really sweet. That'd be really touching to, to show the two of them being like, okay, well, how do we solve this problem? Yeah.
0: And he grows to more of a, a gentle giant as opposed, I mean, he's a, he's a gentle giant now, but maybe a gentler giant uh, yes. towards the end of the episode. But speaking of gentle giant, I got to talk about it. Probably my favorite episode or probably my favorite moment of the series so far, seeing the room that Wrecker makes for Omega. They make her uh, this room in this gun turret. And uh, excuse me, it's uh, one of the most touching, sweetest things I've seen uh, from this series or Star Wars things in a while. It is just yeah. like, I don't know if it got you, but it really got me. I thought it was so, so sweet that this person who's really never had a room before from from what we've gathered has mostly just been poked and prodded by the Kaminoans up to this point. Um, we get some some talk with the Kaminoans that they need the clones back in order to kind of stay in the picture. Um, Do they need Omega back? Do they need the bad batch back? We don't really know. I guess we'll have to see. We could talk about that, I suppose later, but Omega finally has that family and she has a space that's her own with a nice view, able to see the stars that she's never really seen before. Uh, They've got like toys there and nice lights. It's genuinely the sweetest thing in the world. Uh, and it's made me like Wrecker a lot more as a character. Whereas before I was just kind of like, eh, Oh, he's the about strong him, guy. Yeah. No, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there's, he's quickly there's becoming one there. of my favorites. Yeah. He's yeah. quickly becoming one of my favorites of the group.
1: Um, the, the one thing that, uh, again, we're talking about themes of juxtaposition and I will never get enough of, you know, this dichotomy of anything yeah. in star Wars because that's the, you know, that's the whole point. Um, but they show they show her getting her room uh, either immediately after or immediately before right. um, Crosshairs comes back into where the Bad Batch had their bunks yep. together, and it's like, I mean, that's just that is textbook right there. That got me, yeah, the, I, yeah, because
0: like, he's he's looking at the crosshatches and you know, he kind of sits there. It's, it's a little bit, you kind of get a glimpse of the humanity in him where he's either other
1: people in those, you know, there's, there's new people in those beds now and he's still there. That's to me, that's great.
0: Yeah. People who are still loyal to him. He doesn't know that, but still loyal to him, despite the fact that he is trying to murder them and, you know, trying to, trying to kill them. And, and even further juxtaposition we're having like juxtaposition inception here <laughs> uh we see the kaminoans who are discussing bringing these people back here not because they you know they like them or they they have a relationship with them but they need them so it's mm-hmm. a they the belonging that they want them to have is more of a transactional one where they want to stay relevant with the empire. They, they need to, I assume it's a monetary thing. If they're not going to sell clones to the empire, who are they going to sell them to? Um, They, they existed before the clone wars. I know they discuss in the Darth Plagueis novel, why uh, Palpatine chose Camino as the cloning facility, so they were up to something beforehand. I, I guess I don't really know if we know what they were up to uh, in, in canon, but yeah, I know it's discussed in the Palpatine or uh, the Plagueis novel. Beside the point. Um, yeah, they 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 want to have uh, the the Bad Batch back in in Camino to do tests on them, try to. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's some force sensitivity thing. Maybe that's why Omega was able to stay safe from this creature. Um, We don't know if it's, it's, if it's a carnivorous creature, so we don't even know if it if it wanted to eat her. Um, Right. That's true. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to see with, with Omega, what are you thinking in regards to what we're going to see in the future with the Kaminoans and Omega and the bad batch? Where's your head at? Where's your little tinfoil cap?
1: Hat at. Well, I would love to see um I know that this is a stretch, but um one line that the Kaminoans say at the end is they talk about how the original sample um from Django Fett is like yeah. dwindling. Mm-hmm. Um I'm wondering what implications saying something like that has. Um, whether it relates to maybe where Boba Fett is, where he's hanging out in the universe Ooh. at this point. Um or how it relates to some of the more important clones that we know and the Kaminoans
0: hire Cad Bane to yes. go find Boba Fett and bring him back talk about some tinfoil hat that is that, would that be is good that's that I is mean, securely I would love to see on my Cad head Bane. well I know that there was that animatic where you know Cad Bane shoots Boba in the in the noggin and that's what creates the creates yeah. the dent there but I don't. Yeah, I don't know if we will see a Cad Bane in the show, or if they want to maybe save him from the Book of Boba Fett. We're not really sure. But I am excited to to keep following the show. I'm excited for next week, and excited to, to to keep on keeping on with the Bad Batch.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely along for the ride.
0: Absolutely. Well. I think that that is episode three of Scum and Villainy. Noah, do you want to wrap it up and take us home?
1: I'll wrap it up. I'll take us home. Everybody, thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's anything that you, you've you got, any bits of news that you think we should cover, head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See
0: you guys.